Hello everyone, let's get ready. Bell, check. Soundboard, check. Let's get some, some sounds. I'm excited. We're going international, guys. I had a fever last night. If I sound like I'm hallucinating, I am. I think there's one guest here. Might be two. We'll all find out in a bit. 15 seconds. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this live stream special. Andy, good, good that you're joining me. Then I was worried that you, you'd, you'd, you'd sneaked off. But thank you no, for no. Um, tuning in, everyone. Andy, I'll come to you in a second, but I just want to be honest with the listeners because I've got a bit of a fever or something. Maybe it was at London Build Expo. Maybe I should have washed my hands a bit more or whatever. But the show doesn't stop. So if I sound like I'm hallucinating, I probably are. More to the point, though, I was really excited to do this episode. And that's why I've dragged myself out of bed because I've got an important guest all the way around the world world now i've got one or two friends andy okay that i've always talked about what it's like to live in dubai how awesome it is all the careers out there but i've got a confession i've never even been to dubai right and it's on my list because you've got to see all these different parts of the uh, world however i was really flattered when you came up this idea to talk about today what it's like to work as an architect or an architectural technician, technologist, whatever, in the Gulf. So without further ado, may I introduce formally Mr. Andy Shaw. Andy, welcome to the stage. How are you doing? You all right? Very good, thank you, yes. Mm-hmm. Hope you get better soon. Uh, don't don't yeah. worry, the adrenaline's mm-hmm. pumping up and I'm getting mm-hmm. into it. So Andy, for people who are not familiar with yourself, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, what you've been up to and where you are as well? Mm-hmm. Yep, so I'm living in Dubai now for 12 years. Um, I did study in the UK. I worked in London about 12, 13 years of that. Uh, and I spent four days a week practicing as an architect. Uh, I have a small firm here and partner with uh, Young guy I met here ten years ago, um, and we're we're quite busy with some interesting projects. I, I became elected to the Riva Gulf chapter chair a few years ago as well, to the start of COVID. So I've been in that kind of volunteer doing uh, what we can, putting on some events and building tours and webinars, and now we can meet up socially again. Things I also teach at Harriet Watt University here. There are two Riva accredited universities in the Gulf. Um, no part right. two yet. That might that might change, but there's. Um, Two doing part one. Um, that's in the GCC. There's others in Egypt and Lebanon. Um, but yeah, there's, I teach at Heriot Watt University for about five years now, and they have a part one course. Got you. All right, cool. So, and just so, and it's amazing what you've done now, and we can talk about that in a bit more detail. I'm really interested to know, though, because you you left the UK, right, in like 2011. Can you tell us? <clears throat> what what where that came about um, and at the time how was it pitched to you the idea was it something you wanted to do or did someone approach you with the idea or were you headhunted for a job in dubai um 
sort of both actually, but uh, um, I think no, I, I don't normally give the honest answer to this because, uh, because it can get a bit personal, but I'll be honest here. Uh, and I think because it's quite important in the current context from what I see in the UK in the last 10, 12 years there, um, I saw a big change in the financial crisis 2000s of eight, nine um, in working in London as an architect. It was actually quite pleasant and fun before and you could have a, a decent life even on a part two salary, which I was. Um, the kind of atmosphere and mood changed after that. I'd started for the first time reading about economics, politics, financing, and actually who's going to pay for this financial crisis? I think it's going to be all of us. I'm not sure if I want to be around for this. Uh, mm. I wasn't very happy about the conservatives coming to power either, to be honest. Um, these, I was, I, and also I thought, I've been in the UK all my life. This maybe I'd like to live somewhere else at least a few years. So let's start looking around. Um, and having done that, there was a few potential things happening, but actually a, an old um, manager asked me to come join him in, in Dubai, basically. But so I'd already right. decided to change country, change location, and was looking around and yeah, that may, yeah, around the same time that kind of led to somebody asking to join. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Now, there's a few myths, I'm sure, and mm. also a few truths about working in Dubai in the Middle East. And so one of the first things that comes to mind is money and tax. And now, because you've been truthful, um, and I appreciate you saying, well, you're going to give the honest answers. And it's just little old me and you and the live stream here. But that aside, so financially, it's a more attractive proposition then than working in the UK. Is that true? Uh, basically, yes. And right now, because the, the pound's gone down like a third since I came, or certainly 25%, uh, the currency's pegged the dollar. So local salaries now sound even higher in UK terms. Um, right. Obviously, relative to cost of living and things. Uh, I can give some examples, sort of benchmarks to help, it, help <coughs> explain. Okay, so, um, and, but before, yeah, bear in mind, it's different, a completely different world. Uh, there's no tax. Well, no income tax. Your salary is not really taxed. There are a few taxes here and there, like on your rent is effectively a tax. Uh, there's VAT. Um, but yeah, you're not getting income tax, national insurance, anything coming out. So what you're paid kind of comes to you completely. Um, and even actually when you leave your job, if you spend a few years, you're given something called a gratuity, which is a equivalent of like a pension plan. They give you like a month or two salary um, on top. So a part one, um, we were certainly paying about 27, 28,000 pounds a year equivalent. Um, but I know of part ones graduating here going up to 40,000 pounds working on uh, design management side. Crikey. Um, so, uh, and again, because that's tax free, that's kind of the equivalent of probably about 55, 60 in the UK. Um, Fair, yeah. Which for, for, and that's for part one uh, with really a year or so experience. Um, <laughs> Again, a bit of variety, might go slightly lower than that, but certainly like 28 to 30, 32, tax-free, should be possible, part one. Wow, um, um, that's a big jump, Andy, to here. I mean, I, yeah. I think that there's there's interesting timing because the salary survey came out at the moment as kind of mm. one of these campaigns in the UK, and I think the upper end for a part one in the UK was 26,000, and of course... Mm -hmm. you've got then all, all the tax involved. So it sounds mm -hmm. quite lucrative in that front. Okay, devil's advocate, though, on the mm -hmm. other side, because 
the one of the things that I hear in Dubai because some people they work on a Saturday, is that right, or a Sunday? So the working week is six days, not seven. Is that wrong, or is that right? Uh, that is wrong. Okay, cool. <laughs> I thought that I don't know where I've got that from. Okay, so that's a well, myth debusted. Yeah. yeah, I'll give more detail. I, maybe that came about because until a year ago. Uh, the mid UAE used to work on a Sunday to Thursday week because ah. Friday is a more holy day. And then quite Got abruptly, it. last December, it was announced that um, it's now Monday to Friday, which is actually part of the process of becoming more and more aligned with international norms in many kind of ways. Uh, corporation tax coming in, things, um, a minimum wage is coming in. So things are kind of moving along that direction. So it moved to Monday to Friday. Actually, government employees, which is many of the big developers, are four and a half day week. They're supposed to finish Friday lunchtime. And one of the Emirates is even a four day week, mm, Monday to okay. Thursday. Um, now, is... some, a bit different on site. If you're in a site role, you, you probably wouldn't be expect to work six days, but there'd probably be activity across the site six days. And obviously, there is a spec, I imagine like UK, there's a spectrum of offices. Some are, working too hard, exploiting the workers and things, and pushed to work most weekends. Some are actually well-managed and more reasonable and just you know, doing a Monday to Friday in a more typical working week. Depend, in that case, depending on where you're working. So, But now, since last January, Saturday, Sunday is a weekend. And for most people, mm. some people, Friday afternoon as well. Well, there you go. I mean, it was while, while we were talking, Andy, Abadir says, that's crazy. That's what a part two would get here in the UK. So it, it is true. There is there is that big salary uh, shift. Now, you yeah, brought something... It gets, uh, so it gets on, more sorry. extreme as you get more... As you get more senior, it gets more extreme, actually. Um, Go on. A, a part two, and I know it was based on people I kind of know coming here, um, probably for... Uh, 40K for a part two is not unreasonable. I, I checked somebody who's employing a big company here. Uh, he gave that kind of figure. So that's 40K tax-free for a part two. And I know one with a few years' experience actually getting 55,000. Mm. Now, you've got to be careful because, you know, in Switzerland, America, salaries are higher. New York's higher than the middle of nowhere in America. Every uh, other bits of the UAE will be lower. Sa Saudi salaries are actually even higher. Um, so it is all relative, but actually, the point I'd, I'd say the cost of living here is actually about the same as the UK. It is quite different. Depends what you like doing. Um, generally, entertainment is expensive because uh, mm. it's said. I mean, if you come as a tourist, you'll probably find yourself fleeced. <laughs> Everything oh, really? you want, would want to do is very expensive. Um, Crikey! Alcohol is, is expensive. Golf is expensive, but uh, cycling is free. Swimming in the beach is free. Um, transport's very cheap, as in taxis and cars and things are cheap. Um, but yeah, it's kind of all, all that thing's kind of skewed. Uh, and if you start getting into schools and things like that, more updated than university. But generally, I'd say the cost of living, although your salary is higher, your cost of living is similar to UK. And then yeah, there's a big difference. Also, you're not, you're not paying tax. So the higher that goes, the bigger kind of differential becomes. Mm. 
while we were talking, Oz says, I've worked in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, forgive me, Oz, I'm hallucinating today. Um, and the standard of living is higher. Depending where you work, you can have very different experience. Pay is high. Work can be extreme. If you're ambitious, it's worth it. So that's a well-rounded account there. So Andy, while you, we were talking there, there's a few things that you touched upon and I'd love for us to expand. So there's a few really good employers, I'm sure, like everywhere, but also so you mentioned that there, it can be a culture of exploitation. So what what do you have to do there? Do you have to, is it a case of you have to research where you want to work, or is there companies that you generally have a reputation they want to avoid, or how if I'm going to buy, do I make sure that I'm not going to be working crazy hours? Um, I think if you have any kind of contacts, you could ask in the region. Obviously, if you, you know the Gulf chapter is just a community of members, we'd probably help out. I've often spoken to people moving over here to give some advice. Um, I mean, there are here some of the big international firms in all big global cities, in, uh, Atkins, Gensler, Acom, um, Foster has an office, Woods Baggett, um, that you might have some kind of expectations of already, and ADIS, all these kind of companies. There's also those some that are now quite big that are more maybe locally originated or broke off from a bigger company and started here um, that you might not know about. And I mean, it's difficult because you, you'll get an honest answer from a website or anything. <laughs> you probably have to try and find people on the inside. And even then, you know, someone can have a bad experience. The majority may have a better experience or vice versa. So I, I'd say tap into the intel. Or the other thing is, if you're quite tempted to come, I mean, it is probably... I tell people, once you have one job here, it's much easier to get another job. And right. you're probably, again, things are changing. There's some new laws about protecting employees and severance pay, things like that. Um, it's generally getting better. But it tends to be a bit more volatile and kind of higher and fire. So that's obviously not good <laughs> if you're, if you're oh, fired. But the, the, the other side is often it happens with the engineers as well. Another, when one's fired, another one's hiring because there's just someone else has started a big project. And it's, you're more dependent on the economy itself, actually. Um, so it's probably more common to hop around a bit. There are some people that spend years in one company. Some tend to just join a company, do a project, do, and then it, it finishes. And so they manage to jump to something else. Um, and, but in that sense, if, if you found yourself in a company that wasn't a good fit, um, you could probably move to another one, And it, especially if the market's good like now. And in terms of visas and everything, it's got a little bit easier to do that as well. Right. More got it. You have more freedom as, a, as an employee to jump around. There's some new visas that allow you to stay here and look for work. Um, you have a bit, yeah, you have a bit more power than before. Fair enough. I, I've got an interesting question that's come in mm -hmm. while we were talking. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm like, is, thank goodness the audience is asking questions, Andy, and you're sharing a lot because mm -hmm. you're making. Yeah my job really easy at the moment. Abadir again says, um, can you recommend the best way to apply for a job in Dubai? Do you need the ROBA part three to do an architect role in Dubai? So both really interesting questions. So one is about qualifications. Maybe as you said, some practices put more stock in an ARB qualification. I don't know. Um, but where, where would you begin um, finding a job? I mean, you've got a practice and people can apply for your practice, but also if you were rocking up, how would you begin that search, Andy? Where's the 
best place to start? Mm. <laughs> okay, I'm maybe, I'll answer the second part of the question that's maybe a bit clearer to answer um, in that, and it often comes up to me between students and architects here, there is no equivalent really of ARB or, uh, or even REBA here. Um, right. The title's not protected. So having part three is kind of legally meaningless. However, it does have of sustainability in the market to employers and things. Um, actually, you don't. You can call yourself an architect even about part three here, um, because it, there's not the same protection of title, uh, which you tend to see obviously in in the market. However, having if someone comes here with part three, especially to some kind of international company, it's recognised that you're kind of you know in a management role position ready. You have proper experience. You'll be in in a bigger salary bracket and things like that. You'll be kind of slotted up quite a bit. Um, similar part one and two is kind of. There's so many other systems here as well. There's people coming with American qualifications or Indian or other ones, um, Australian things. There's, so there's not like the same ease to slot people in. But the, the REBA is kind of recognized, especially part one now because there's two schools. There's no part two. Um, but the big companies certainly recognize it and they will kind of equate that to your knowledge and skills that they'd expect from it. Um, so uh, that might answer it. So you, you don't need part three mm. to be an architect. Um, I won't get into things like, like there is kind of licensing, but it's really more about engineering, not architecture. Um, Very so interesting. You, work, you need a really an engineer, registered engineer partner of a company to do something. If you start a small company, um, now the best way to apply for a job in Dubai, I do recommend to people normally if you're on the ground in Dubai with a Dubai address, it is a lot easier. Um, <laughs> that's obviously quite a commitment, though, unless you have yeah. other reasons or ways to be here. Um, but being on the ground with that address in your CV will probably get more attention. They do tend to get quite they subscribe to the jobs, but as at the moment the market's uh, quite buoyant, and you know, I know lots of companies are hiring. Um, uh, and if anything, they're struggling a bit to find the right the right people for their, their roles with good experience. Um, there are some lists. You, if you internet searching, you'll find a list of the companies here. I mean, it's not a huge market. There maybe only 20, 30 names would come up. That would be considered working for. Um, so you, uh, online research. No, I mean, I'm also I've often requests come through to the chapter through Reba, and we give some advice as well. Nice. Um, so I mean, again, applying for a job. You you know from your your background and other social topics and things we did with Reba before. There is you know, the the networking way, obviously the best. Um, there are adverts sometimes. There are agents. Uh, there's sending an email in, but I, I know here the companies tend to get a lot of emails. Uh, if you have the other ways are better. If you know yeah. somebody, uh, if you, you know, you know, you know, friend, friend, anything, uh, or any institutional connection, um, or even just going, we did some office tours yesterday, actually my students and one of them said, we actually like people showing up on our doorstep. He acknowledged many offices don't like that, but he said it, the CEO, he, he said he liked it because it shows commitment. Um, Very interesting. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it depends a bit. Again, it depends where you're applying from and if you have any connection to the region or background for it. If you're coming, I, th I think the, if you're applying from the UK, it's always a little bit harder to think, you know, am I really sure you're serious you want to come? Yeah. So probably that's the hurdles to kind of sort of actually, yes, I'm serious. And there's a way to cover letter to communicate that. I mentioned earlier that some people contacted that were coming through the partner's work and who were, and so they, they wanted to find an architect's job and they asked, how do I find an architect's job? But that meant that they were committed to coming. They, they had an address. 
that showed that they're here already as a step ahead. Um, yeah, that I think that's the same in the UK. I always recommend, Andy, if someone's, you know, in America or maybe they're in the Middle East, they want to get a job in the UK. <laughs> it is a commitment, but actually coming to the UK makes a big difference. And the other one I always say is mm-hmm. get a mobile phone in that area code then because I think that mm-hmm. really also shows a lot of commitment. And it's not that expensive to do anyways now, isn't it? So you get a local mobile you put it on the phone. You put it on the CV, and that makes yeah. um, a yeah. big difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is something yeah. now. I mean, you can come as a tourist for, uh, depending on your passport, but certainly up to three months, and maybe more. Look, um, and there is now a job seekers visa where you come specifically to look for work. Ah, okay, cool. Do you know while we were talking, I've got a flurry of messages that have come in, all good, but I'm just oh. going to quickly go through a few of them. And mm-hmm. so um, Irfan says, as a chartered architectural technologist, are there any positions available for someone of my new build developer background? So architectural technicians and technologists, Andy, is there a space for um, those who are not architects uh, in, in the Middle East? I would have thought so. That's quite a, a good skill set, right? Yeah. I mean, the... <laughs> May this practice different to different, but they tend to sometimes separate into concept stage, delivery stage, and the delivery will be putting a lot of technical things together uh, for the documentation and going through coordination, scheme design things. And so those kind of companies are often hiring. Um, and I would have thought, yes, there's a lot of hiring at the moment. I mean, something might come to later is that the, although Dubai is busy in hiring, probably Abu Dhabi, Saudi Arabia is um, building a lot and hiring a lot of people there as well. Uh, if, mm-hmm. um, if there's different connections there, I mean, there's the Reba committee has a, has a representative there. Many Reba members have gone over there to, to become design managers and work in companies there, but there's a lot of momentum there. And, but there's also, that's also feeding a lot of work from Dubai where it's still a, a little bit easier to live. Um, um, so I would say, basically, yes, I, I don't know that area quite as much, but uh, at the moment, it, a lot depends on the when things go slow. It is a roller coaster. There's some bad years, good years, depending on the politics and economy at the time. Yeah. In a tough time, it's hard to get a job anywhere. You can, you've got to be quite lucky. And there's always site work and things. When things are busy like now, it's a lot easier. Some companies are, oh, we need six people now. <laughs> yeah. Things tend to go quick. I was going to ask you actually because I know you really enjoy. You know, the fact you relocated, you enjoy where you are and you wouldn't change it. Is there some things you miss, though, about the UK? Come on, right? We've got some good qualities over here. But now, London, I miss some of the cultural sides of London. Like, the, mm. you can go to a concert every night, different for the gallery show every every weekend, whatever. Um Dubai has got a bit of that, obviously, but it's, you know, it's more of an event. Guns N' Roses came a couple of years ago. It was like the whole city went. <laughs> oh, wow, really? More of a rare event, yeah. Um, yeah, they have some constant things, but yeah, it's every now and then rather than all the time. Um, but I mean, say, you know, here, there's, it's maybe, again, surprisingly cosmopolitan. Uh, it's mm. apparently the second most cosmopolitan in the world or something. So there's actually a lot of British people here. I, I can't remember if it's a few hundred thousand or something. Um, if you want to live in a bit of kind of, there's even a place called Irish Village, which is basically pubs. <laughs> oh, really? I'm not surprised. Kind of yeah. 
um, that has 80s bands playing because there's so many older people here. Um, there's some things like that if you feel like you're missing home a bit. I guess the rain, don't rain, no rain. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss a bit of the sense of humour and some of the activities you can do at home. Fair but, enough. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, well, well, makes makes sense. I've actually got a few flurries of more stuff that's coming. Oh. I can't keep up, Andy. Yeah. You're actually quite popular. Oh. Um, <clears throat> I'll quickly go through it. Oz says, we'd love to keep in touch with your LinkedIn. There's ambitions to repair. Um, and returning to D- Dubai, and there's a Revit expert with BIM services. Ooh. Maybe we mm-hmm. can touch up on that really quickly then Andy in terms of Revit BIM so yeah. what's it like out there in terms of software setup and most companies yeah. tend to be AutoCAD or if you got because in in the London Revit now yeah. is uh, the predominant platform which is used and so what skill sack is really attractive if you're applying in Dubai at the moment um, Revit is the dominant platform massively uh, for the production side uh What's maybe a bit more flexible is on that concept stage work. The early st- stages, you tend to get offices that are Rhino-based with a bit of Grasshopper and things, or they might be SketchUp-based, especially if they're doing master planning. Um, and then obviously AutoCAD is supporting all these things. But so Revit is dominant. It's more for the design stage. Is it Rhino or, or SketchUp? Very interesting. Yeah, I've, I I worked with um, a practice in London, which has international projects, and their setup is Revit, Rhino, and a bit of Grasshopper for the front end, yeah. you know, um, master plan design. I've got a few more things here, Andy. Abadir mm. says, thanks for answering. And Julian says, mm. greetings from London. See, you've got an international mm. fan base, it seems. You need to come back a bit. Uh, as well but leo who i was actually fortunate enough to be at one of his events last night so leo is um an architect but also uh-huh. designs a lot in the metaverse so maybe uh-huh. the final frontier right not just the middle east it's the mm-hmm. the metaverse and and he asks um do you know much about this new world do you hear much about the metaverse out there i know you've got um the design um you've got the expos which are amazing but uh what about the metaverse, Andy? Is are the people talking uh, about it um, in Dubai or not yet? Uh, so yes, um, <laughs> not me. <laughs> not an expert. Um, you're not, you're not interested. Quite well, I've been, we did some AI imaging events with Reba last week, but metaverse it, it is. I and I go to a lot of the trade shows and things with my role, and they're now they often have a metaverse discussion, and there's several uh-huh. architects I've known here for years that are now. Metaverse focused, one or two firms saying yes, they're getting fully into it. Um, if he drops me a message, I can even mention them. Uh, there's something about Metaverse Hotel, uh, hospital. But in the bigger picture, what's worth bearing in mind is that the UAE and now Saudi, they're aware that they're kind of young countries. Uh, I shouldn't know, it's either 45 or 50 years old. But, you know, they're not, they're younger than most, most people. Uh, that, um, and they're going to kind of make a mark on the world. Um, and they tend to lean in a lot on this emerging technology uh, as a way to do that um, because they, they won't have a 200-year-old institution like Reba or you know, the same when it comes to science and medicine and things. So it's interesting mm-hmm. when they decide to you know, put, look at the future. It's why they have a museum of the future. Um, and they're actually very proud many of the emerging technologies, agri-tech, um, AI, uh, coding, all those kind of things. And that does cover uh, metaverse and what I read today also blockchain 
it's becoming a bit of a blockchain hub. I'm not an expert. I'm just reporting what I read. <laughs> but the, yeah, the UAE is becoming a bit of a, they want to be a kind of safe haven, safe haven in the hotspot for um, blockchain technology. So I do see in the events happening and things published LinkedIn and forever that, yeah, metaverse comes up a lot. And a lot, any, but any kind of emerging technology does get a lot of interest here because they're, they're key to kind of be big players in these emerging fields. Yeah, fair enough. I um I was going to ask another thing actually. So what I was thinking about now, very cool, and I I, I I it makes a lot of sense actually that metaverse would be such a subject because I think Middle East, the Gulf, Dubai, and everything. You know, you're not shy in terms of buildings, the expo, everything. Everything's quite interesting, a spectacular, um, a spectacle for the eyes. What I was going to ask though is I wouldn't know where to begin, right? So years ago when I was Welsh. Uh, well, I am Welsh now. What am I on about? But when I was living in Wales, I studied architecture in London. And I was like babe in the woods coming to London, right? And looking back, it's one of the best things I did. But I was a little bit naive. Now, if I was like, right, I want to move to... Um, I want to move out of this country. You mentioned this community of expats and so mm-hmm. on and so forth in different parts of the Middle East and the Gulf. Where would be a good way, a good place to dip your toes? Maybe like a busy city, you know, where you've, you've got that community, like you mentioned. Where's a good place for you to start your search if you will relocate into the Middle East? Uh, to the Gulf. Um, I mean, mm. Dubai is the most, is, it's the easiest. And um, yeah. Uh, there's the most amount of foreigners, international community uh, here, and probably the most familiar, easy, easy to settle into. Uh, it really probably feel like you know Miami to an American <laughs> with a few camels around. Um, yeah, it's Dubai, then kind of Abu Dhabi, and uh, Saudi's change, changing a lot, changed a huge amount in the last five six years, and it's kind of moving that direction. Um, yeah, but there's still there's some things you can't quite do there. You probably can. So, um, and there, I, well, I know people in Saudi are very happy. They live in a, a kind of closed compound with a very tight community, um, and they go for a net of drink in the embassy where they're allowed to. Um, but yeah, that's probably Saudi's heading that way. That's a bit more of a sort of frontier for now. Um, yeah. But yeah, de- de- Dubai is the easiest. But anywhere uh, then anywhere else in the UAE, like Abu Dhabi, is a likely destination. They yeah, all, I they got all have their, their own character and charm. There's a, the other ones really are Burping, uh, Crete, Qatar, Doha. Um, but probably, yeah, I think most people say the, the easiest in terms of fitting in would be Dubai. Yeah, makes sense. And that rings true because there was a lot of roles I used to work in recruitment in Dubai. Mm. And, and you're right also that you've got the Hopkins <laughs> architects, you've got all the... Mm. As you say, the Brit, you know, the British large companies or international companies also mm-hmm. out in Dubai. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's Miami with a camel. That's a new one, isn't it? I think, <laughs> I think that sums it up. I've got one or two more questions. If you've got a little bit more time, mm-hmm. yeah, Andy. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And so, mm-hmm. Abadi again says, "I'm considering um, relocating to Dubai." So hey. You're definitely onto a winner. That's exactly what Andy said. One last question is, how is the lifestyle and the work culture, how is it different to working in London? Um, let's see. I mean, work-wise, well, as, I mean, the type of project is very different. Um, it's 
bigger, faster, uh, a lot, yeah, a lot bigger scale, and some quite crazy projects. And I don't know, all new build or new site. You're not the contacts that you do in London. There's not the kind of the planning process is more technical. There's not so much about visual and approval things. Um, so, but I'm like, you know, especially the more established international, it's probably quite similar to London in terms of how they work as an office and the culture. So I think there'll be a big, there's, there's some culture, work cultures I hear very positive things and people quite happy more. I don't hear bad things. There's some, I do hear bad things. They'll, they'll all vary. Um, lifestyle is probably the biggest difference. Actually, if you think about outside the office, um, and then, I mean, I was worried doing this, that, uh, my others in the region, some of them, you know, like Mariam in the rebo committee, that we, that the UK kind of misrepresents the Middle East with its tabloid press. Um, and it's like, if you only see these Instagram influencers and some news stories, might think it's all like beaches and, uh, parties and things when it's actually the people working, um, especially their families, they kind of, they, they have a garden, they go to, um, uh, many people go cycling in the desert. There's a 150 kilometer long cycle track. Um, there's some walks in the mangroves in Abu Dhabi, um, trips to the beach. It's probably the one, I mean, it's just different kind of city. It's, it's sunny all the time. Summer is so, I mean, uh, summer is so hot that you've got to be different You stay indoors, but there's actually quite a lot of things indoors. If you have children, there's lots of huge play areas with, soft play, bouncing stuff, and some educational, very good educational areas. Um, but many people get away in the summer as long as they can, if they can. But in the winter months like now, it's very pleasant. It hardly ever rains. So there's quite a lot of outdoorsy stuff. And people tend to find something they like, whether that's meeting their friends and having a drink or something sport-based um, or just time with their family in their... Um, I mean, so re the, people tend to live in, like, communities. And it's quite carved up. When I mentioned Miami, it's what I think of American later cities, like quite defined by the car on the road. You have different segments of the city connected by, very quickly connected by road, but you definitely can't walk between things. Um, and once you're in your zone, there's quite those things to do within there. So people tend to uh, spend a lot of time living in their, the community, which will have like a gym, some shops and things, some have a park. I could try and show some pictures now, if this would be the Yeah, sure. We'll, 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 it let's go for it. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, want it, to... So let's hope it doesn't crash the thing. But this was from a. Uh, so let's go present, share screen. It's okay. Uh, window. Okay, I hope this doesn't crash anything. This is my presentation from before we did. Ah, there you go. Um, okay, so this is showing a park that has a weekly festival uh, at the bottom left and is a very kind of international cosmopolitan community. The nicest beach on the top left called Kite Beach because of the kite surfing and there's surfing sometimes. So it's free. It's been a bit commercialized with shopping and um, play parks and things around it. And the top right is a cycle track in the desert, kind of 20, 30 minutes from the from the main Dubai. Um, if you have a bike, you can just learn cycle. Now this is to show, um, I mean, some, there's obviously the high rise residential areas but even within the city, there's some like low-rise <coughs> resi like this, um, which mm. is just these are townhouses with you know people living with a garden, cars, and going to school and work and stuff. And yeah, probably more green than people expect. There is a government initiative to really green the city over the next ten years. Nice. That's, that's an aerial, 
Yeah, I, I, I often, I don't know why, but I always think of Mission Impossible and Tom Cruise yeah. <laughs> in the sandstorm. And so it's nice to yeah. see the greenery, as you say, you know? Yeah, and so this is showing, there is that, that strip of towers, like in that film, is basically down that main road, which goes all the way to Abu Dhabi. It's quite a um, kind of road-based linear city, but it connects these different parts of the palm above there, which also many people live on and has a park down the middle and beaches everywhere. Uh, the bit on the top left is called Marina, where many um, kind of new arrivals, of international people find it easier to settle in because there's lots of hotels, bars, nightlife things. But there's a few areas like that, very much high rise, but maybe not. It's got a beach in there. I wouldn't say nothing at ground level. And then, the, but then you can see, like just like other side of the road, not far away, is a whole area of um, uh, you know, I guess it's suburbia in the UK or America of just villas, townhouses. Many architects probably live somewhere like this if they have a family. If they don't have a family, they probably live uh, nearer the metro and the activities along the main spine. And I'll show this. This, actually, this is called Sustainable City. Uh, there's other versions coming up. These are for growing food, these little pods. There's all these townhouses with solar panels. Um, and it, there's no cars. So I have been here once as a visitor and there's, you know, people, kids cycling around, they've got an animal welfare place. Um, and yes, there's also, if people instead, there's, there's, quite, there's some push of sustainability that is often not meeting the ambitions, but there is quite a, a drive and intention to be so. I think I'll stop my sharing, but that was, that was to give an idea of the lifestyle isn't maybe just, if the people that come on holiday is quite a different thing. Um, yeah. When you live here, it's um, quite quite different. Stop that. Well, it definitely did um, shake my perspective. I'm a little bit disappointed that Tom Cruise isn't knocking around. Um, <laughs> that being said, it does look quite a nice place to live. What I was going to say now, Andy, because I think it's a good time to wind down, and mm -hmm. and I appreciate everything that that you've said here. Mm -hmm. In a bit, we'll talk about where people can find you and connect with you. But just before mm -hmm. we do that, I like mm -hmm. to throw it back because it's it's unfair for mm -hmm. the and then you know a conversation or an interview to be one way. It should be more like mm -hmm. a conversation. So, mm -hmm. do you have any questions um, for me? I, it's been a little while since we um, we did our last collaboration with the ROBA, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I would be curious to know from your side, being in the UK, what is the perception of Dubai? Um, and it might be, I assume, you know, most people know some that went on holiday, they know a bit, but, uh, what is, what is the percent you think in the UK of, let, let's not go into the rest of the Middle East, <laughs> get more complicated, but start with Dubai, which is yeah, the, Dubai. the simplest. I, it's interesting because in recruitment, I've worked with a lot of people who want to go to Dubai, also some architects that are in Dubai and also, um, then thinking of maybe coming back. Now I think. Um, everyone enjoys Dubai. I think, as you say, the perception is it's a nice place to be. The one bit that always sticks in my mind, though, is I think that when someone's gone to Dubai, they struggle mm. to come back. So, for example, mm. I will have a senior architect who's like, yeah, yeah, I'm really interested in coming back to London. Yeah, just find me a job at 70 grand. And I would be like, Jeff or whoever, Jeff, this is not possible. It's a different world, you know? And they're like, mm -hmm. really? Well, it doesn't stack up financially for me. And I always say, mm -hmm. well, 
London isn't going to change. So I think that there is a massive difference in 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 the salaries, and I think that it would seem that once you go to Dubai, it's quite hard for you to come back and adjust financially, economically. In terms of your original question, what is the perception? I think the perception is good pay. Good city, mm. as you say, expensive alcohol. That seems to pop up a lot. But mm. also um, work hard. I think there would be. A, mm. I think that is the perception that you know you, mm-hmm. you get paid a lot, but you you've got to work hard. And mm-hmm. and and it's quite interesting hearing what you say about it as well. And what I like about this conversation is also you are an employer as well as you mm. know having been an employee in in mm-hmm. dubai so i kind of see the both ends of the scale mm-hmm. but yeah that's the perception mm-hmm. okay and in terms of lifestyle as well though is it seen as a, a good i mean I, the other thing that does come up is uh some people think that you know women can't work or have to cover up and things which is completely untrue <laughs> it's like right uh there's in terms of working there's no barriers it's kind of totally equal if anything, they get more opportunity in some in some scenarios and client side and things. Um, um, yeah, I, or that it's kind of more restricted than it is actually. Mm. Yeah, I um, I haven't heard that so much. Uh-huh. Um, I tend to think. Well, it's interesting because I think if someone's halfway thinking about Dubai, then they're mm. on that emotional journey where they they're probably mm. going to go through with it. I, I tend mm-hmm. to I, I tell you what though in recruitment I have also seen a lot of window shoppers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where people go, Oh, I'd like the idea of that. But mm-hmm. I mean one of the questions that popped up here is perhaps you have a wife and a kid, right? And you're a you're mm-hmm. a man, it's hard to just pick up your bags and go. Um mm-hmm. there's a lot of logistics involved. So who knows? I mean, I've never mm-hmm. thought about moving to but Dubai. I'm not against the mm-hmm. idea. But mm-hmm. as a Welsh man, moving from Swansea to London was a big deal at the time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Any yeah, other questions um, you have for me, Andy? Um, I don't think so. I mean, the, the person then, in fact, yeah, if you have family, you have to consider that as well. And uh, yeah. I didn't talk about schools and things. But if anybody wants to get in touch, drop connect on LinkedIn. I can follow up because uh, each circumstance is different. It is someone a bit different for a graduate or for a couple or someone with children. Um, as you mentioned, going back to the, to the UK or other countries, it's sometimes family that I find brings people back. Um, mm. yeah, I know it used to be seen that you come here for like two or three years, you make some money and go back. Um, recently, though, it's, it's probably got more, more and more livable over the last 10, 20 years. It's probably come to stay longer. And as you say, I do know some people that, that left and then came back. Um, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, fair, well, fair some enough. Some people might like it, <laughs> but yeah, if they if they like it, the either the might financial side of the pit, yeah, it's different. There's sometimes the people get a bit homesick, or they decide they want the children growing up back in their home country later, and things. There's different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, on the bucket list is going out to the expo. Because I think that would be a really nice um, way to 
uh, get a proper introduction. But I'm going to take mm. you up on the offer. And I, if I am mm. popping down in the area, you have to take mm-hmm. me to the Irish Island or whatever it's called because I love village. 80s music. Yeah. The Irish Village. Irish yeah. Island sounds better. Come on. They, they missed the marketing <laughs> trick there. Um, brilliant. Okay, Andy. Yeah. So where can people mm. find you? They can reach out to you on LinkedIn, I'm guessing? Yeah, that's the method I use the most. Yeah. I think I'm Andy Shaw on LinkedIn, and they'll see Reba Golf chair and probably make it appear. Um, and if they send a message, we'll try and catch up in the next week or two. Brilliant. Well, yeah. I'll give you a round of applause for that. Thank you so much, Andy. I really appreciate it. You've been an absolute gentleman. Hopefully, I haven't been coughing too much all the way through this. Okay. People can reach out to you on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm going to end the live stream now. Andy, stay on the mm-hmm. stage one sec while I just switch it all off. But thank you as mm-hmm. well for tuning in. And if you do have any questions for me or Andy, drop us a message on LinkedIn. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.